Welcome to the next track. A podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. We self-produce the Next Track podcast and want to keep it ad-free, so we rely on contributions from listeners for support. You can help us by making a regular donation via Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash the next track. And thanks. So I moved. Um, the reason I had to move from one place to another place is, uh, as my brother says, I'm now single and car-free, which I am. So I've moved to a, a new apartment in the same town that I'm in. I'm not far from where I used to be. And you know how I talk about 19th century technology, how I despise 19th century technology? Yeah. The house I'm living in now was built in 1860. It's 19th century technology. Mm. I must say, it's quite admirable. And it's got some cool architectural things in it. Yeah. My my least favorite 19th century technology is the way they hang wires in the street. I hate that. We've been doing that since they were running the telegraph. Well, the house I live in, there are, are no wires coming in from the front of the house. And when I told this to you, you said, well, of course, they're running underground. And I said, no, 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 no. They're not underground. They're in the backyard. There's a string of houses along this street. Somehow, some way, somewhere, someday, they decided, you know what? We don't want to have the 19th century technology in front of our houses. We want to have it in the back where the servants come in, where the horses go, where the carriages are kept. So all along my street, there's a line of poles and wires in people's backyards. And I'm thinking, well... I know the answer to this question. Why didn't the convention become to put run wires in the backyard? And obviously it's, it has to do with access and things like that. But still, wouldn't it be interesting if instead of the 19th century technology that lingers now with the wires hanging out in front of people's houses and in front of buildings, that we had decided to run everything in the backyard where the garbage is, where the, where the servants' quarters are, where, you know, all of, all of the things that we don't want in the front yard are. Don't you think that, isn't that an interesting thought to have, or am I just exhausted my brain is, is farted out? I think both. Uh, I think what, what you probably had was a sort of an alley behind the houses. Maybe this is where the coach houses were for the horses. And that alley was recovered at some point in order to run the wires. And it makes sense. Now, our electricity goes underground, but our internet, our phone lines and internet go above ground. So the, because of the way it's all structured here, they would have to change a lot to replace that because your, your phone line doesn't go up under the house like the electricity does, right? Or gas. Well, we don't have gas here. Okay. Well, no, no. there's that we, here We too. use heating oil because in, in a small village, you don't get natural gas. See, that's another thing too. We run the wires outside the ground, but we don't run the pipes. I guess it makes sense because pipes are more sensitive. If they break, they could cause fires. Whereas the wires, if they break, you just lose your internet. I guess it all has to, it all has to do with accessibility and safety, I suppose. It just yeah. evolved that way. But it's a fun game to think, gee, what if the convention had changed? Now, the other 19th century convention, speaking of wires, is, of course, I hate wires. You know, it's. I think it's dumb that we have to plug things in for electricity. It's dumb that we have to plug anything in, actually. It just is, it feels so primitive. Well, when you move, let me tell you about the wires. <laughs> <laughs> there are, I had probably... A thousand times more wires than I thought I did. 
I said, if you would ask me before I moved, how many wires do you think you have connecting everything in your office? That's, I don't know, dozen. <laughs> oh, no, my friend. Oh, no, it's in the hundreds. And it's like there's cables and wires and they all look different and they're all different shapes and different sizes. And maybe it's a tribute to my, to my, my mind that I actually remember what the cords look like and where they go because I don't have to label. I didn't have to label many of them. But man, this place is covered. It's like snakes. It's like snakes on the ground right now. <laughs> it's like everywhere I walk, there's a roll of cable, there's a roll of wire, there's a, some dressed cables over there, mic cables. Oh, man. I'm sorry, I don't mean to complain, but this is the first chance I've actually had to vent to anybody about moving. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, now, when I've moved, I've, uh, I was just explaining to you earlier, I keep all the boxes for my tech devices. And when I move, I make sure that I put the device and its cables in the box. So when I unpack, I know what goes with what. The other option, of course, is to label them. And that's not too complicated, but that just gets messy. I, I have a Dymo label maker and I could make labels that fold over, right? Yeah. Um, so you stick over a cable, but you don't need it if you just organize your things correctly. I was just looking behind Wait, my- Wait, did you just say- if you organize your things correctly, that's yeah. never going to happen. <laughs> well, as I said, that's I put everything happen. in its box with its cables. I was just looking behind my credenza, which is to my right. And over there, I've got a bunch of cables coming up to charge various things. I've got a amplifier with speaker cables. I've got a CD player and stuff. And I look behind there and it's like I cringed. There are so many cables, plus AC adapters for hard drives that are in the thing. And it's like... It's it's yeah. scary, sad. If there were an easier way to cut down on, on cable lengths and having to roll things up and, you know, eventually you just stuff them back behind, you know, a dresser or something. Or I mean, I try to be disciplined about it and I try to keep everything dressed so that if I do have to run outside, if there is a fire, I can grab this stuff pretty quickly and it'll all hang together and just drag it out behind me, maybe. I should practice that. That might be something good to practice. I practice running out of the house with my Fire electronics. Drill. Yeah, but it, it's <laughs> it's you know it's just shown to me that there's now now I got to hook all these things back up, which is another actually that's the it is fun. I'm I'm glad I have two or three days at a at a stretch where I can actually spend some quality time getting the wiring right, which you don't always always have that opportunity once you thought you had the wiring set up right. What I find interesting about this sort of moving and reconnecting is that you get to rethink everything that you have, where it is, what's connected. You've got a bit more space than you did in your previous house. So you can offload a lot of stuff that was on your desk or near your desk or behind your desk in a different place. You've got good Wi-Fi. You can, you know, plug something, plug an ethernet cable into your Orbi Wi-Fi thing and connect things that go by ethernet. They don't need to be next to your desk. And for me, my desk is actually very messy right now. I've got some CDs on the left. My laptop is there. I've got some papers on the right, but I have mostly cleaned off my desk to not have a lot of stuff because it's like visual static for me. Yeah, I know you, you've been into minimalizing. Is that, that the word we came up with? Minimalizing? Yeah. And I, I try to do that now too. Now it was like you say, it was very difficult for me to, to do this in one room before, but once I get into this, spread it out. If you don't need it, put it away. If you don't want to look at it, that you don't need to have it out. It doesn't, you know, and, and, and it is of, 
I don't know. I want to say it's a very Zen cleansing sort of a thing where you, you know, I, I told you before, before we started recording that I've been talking to the apartment. And I mean, I don't mean literally talking to the apartment, but I mean, listening to where the floor goes, seeing where the lines in the room are, um, you know, getting a sense of where the lighting is thrown. All of these things inform where I can put things. And that's time consuming. But it's really worth it because here's what happens to me. If there isn't, if six months down the road I notice something is a little crooked or it's not symmetrical or something, I get like Monk, the detective Monk. Have you ever seen that show? Yeah. The guy has obsessive compulsions about, you know, things being lined up and straight. I get that way too. It's pleasant. It's not unpleasant. It's not debilitating. But it's the sort of thing where if I don't set things up just right, uh, I will be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And what's important is that you were also setting up an audio studio in this apartment. You're not allowed to put anything on the walls or in the ceiling, or at least no holes. You can use some of those 3M commander hooks. Do they really work, by the way? I've never they used do. those before. Yeah, they do. I've I've got a bunch of them. I wish I had them when I moved in here about seven years ago. I didn't know about them until a few years after. But my landlord was fine with the holes in the wall. But you needed to find a space that is audio friendly, right? Do you have something hanging from the ceiling yet? Because in your previous office, you had a piece of cloth to cut down the reverb from the ceiling. I haven't put that up because I haven't, first of all, I haven't really figured out how I can do it. Some of the rooms have a ceiling molding from which you can suspend right. pictures, right? Which is how I would like to hang my pictures anyway. When I came here to look at the apartment, I told, I brought up, I shouldn't make holes in the wall, right? First, because it's like I can see it's horsehair plaster. It's it's nineteenth century technology. Yeah, and so you know you put a hole in it, the whole wall crumbles. So uh, I like the idea of suspending things from the ceiling. And as you say, I had a uh, a moving blanket sort of apparatus hanging above me, and I've now I have very high ceilings. They're like they're ten feet. Let's say they're ten feet. They're high. They t the whole apartment is built as if people who lived here were seven and a half feet tall. <laughs> I mean, the windows are big. Everything is scaled larger. It's, it's and, really And yet odd. they were shorter back in the 19th century. I know. That's what, that's what occurred to me. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. These four and a half foot people are walking around in a room three <laughs> times the size. Of, well, whatever. What was I talking about? You were talking about the ceiling, that you had something oh, hanging the ceiling, from the ceiling. Right. So the banner hanging from the ceiling to deaden the sound. There's really no way to do it. So and then I thought, well, maybe I'll get one of those gazebos, one of those outdoor gazebos, 10 feet by 10 feet. It would fit in here. Seriously would fit in here. No problem. I wouldn't use the cloth that they they supplied. That's usually like a vinyl. That's kind of a shiny sort of a, well, I guess it depends what kind you get. I would obviously want the cheapest kind because I'm not using it as a gazebo. I'm using it as a frame to hold a suspended piece of cloth. Yeah, but that'll harsh your zen if you do that with those big columns and everything. And that's just not attractive. I think it's really important that visually, you don't want that visual static. It's exactly. really- I think now what I normally do, my home, my homemade thing is, I always tell people to, if you can, record in the closet, right? With all the coats and stuff, because it's really dead in there. And the reason it's dead in the closet is because all your clothes are absorbing all the sounds. So you get a mic in there, it sounds great. One of the things that I do is I have one of these wardrobe, these poor, uh, I don't know what to call it, clothes rack. Yeah, right? clothes rack with casters. Clothes rack with casters. And I hang um, blankets on it. 
I hang sound blankets or moving blankets or whatever, and I, and I can position them anywhere in the room. I have three of them. So far, that seems to be uh, the way to go. Now, I, don't, I haven't been able to actually listen to the way I sound now, so there might be a little room echo. You said there was a little bit. The, there was a tiny bit. So in, in a podcast we do together that you edited last Wednesday, the evening of your move in the morning, so you were all improvising, I could tell that there was a different echo frequency, but it wasn't anything that disturbed. And now, if anything, you sound like you're too close to the mic. Oh, okay. You, you, you've got that 2 a.m. FM radio or that serious podcaster proximity effect. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, then that's good. I, I still need to obviously sweeten it up. It's not anywhere. Well, the listeners can't see it, but I'm sitting in front of empty bookcases, empty tool rack. Lights are in the wrong position. The microphone is on the wrong side of the desk. All kinds of oh, things. Oh, that's right. It's usually on the left. Yeah. But maybe it's going to stay on the right. <gasps> it could happen. I should ask the apartment. I'll ask the apartment <laughs> what the apartment thinks. It's tough to... It's, you know, yeah. I, I want to just mention one bit of 19th century technology that I really hate, and that's fireplaces. And I know you've got a fireplace <laughs> to your right corner that you're looking at there. Yeah. Seal the fireplace if well, it's not sealed. It's, you know, luckily it doesn't work. They don't want you to use it. And I'm like, you know, fire in the house is bad under any circumstance. It's not even fire. When we came in here, I'm going to count. There are one, two, three, four five, six, seven, eight fireplaces in this house. Some of them were sealed, a couple of the ones upstairs. Uh, so this is a house older than yours, early 19th century. But the one in my office, the one in the master bedroom just upstairs, they weren't sealed at all. And there's air coming in and out. There's hot air, there's cold air. When it's windy, you get, and it's like, I took some clear plastic and I taped it up in front of, the, of each of the fireplaces. Because you don't want that kind of airflow. I saw, I saw bits and pieces of Wuthering Heights the other night. And I was thinking, like, I wonder if that's like Kirk's house. Because, you know, it's like they've got these, uh, well, chimneys are ridiculous. The whole idea. 19th century technology. No, actually, what? <laughs> what, yeah. what, what century technology yeah. are chimneys? Like, yeah, it's awful that those older houses, they have nothing but uh, ways to get the heat out and push the cold in. And yep. Uh, it's bad news. So the, the, so the one here is, is very grand. It looks very nice, has a nice mirror on top of it and everything that apparently is built right into the wall. Um, but I would never use it. And, you know, in this part of the country, a lot of fireplaces are blocked up now because of the energy uh, issues. And for the past 30, 40 years, you hear about people not using their fireplaces. I won't use one. Yeah, they pollute and... Do you have risks of carbon monoxide poisoning? And I grew up with one in my parents' house, and occasionally we would light it. And then after a while, we stopped because my father was like, can't you feel that draft? It pulls the draft on mm -hmm. everything. The draft, draft, draft. That's caveman business, man. You don't need fire in the house. <laughs> so you were talking about things being plugged in before. Now, you can get Wi-Fi speakers. They still have to have power. But there's two cables less. Well, actually, there's one less because if you have a pair of active Wi-Fi speakers, there has to be a cable going from one to the other because one of them usually does the amplification. So it's still cheating. If you have a pair of home pods, then it's just the power cables. And like Sonos ones, it's just power cables. I think what I've done is I've I have my my famous Bose speakers that I really like. And I've put those in the other room and I pulled out of the attic these old Behringer Truth studio monitors. They can handle 150 watts at four ohms. And they're very clean. That's why I stopped using them. They were too clean to listen to music on. 
but at the time I was using, I was doing a lot of radio commercial work and I wanted to hear, you know, I wanted to hear it clean. But then when that kind of work kind of faded away, I put the speakers away and I bought the Bose. Now I've brought those out again and I'm using another amp that I had that I didn't ever sell. I have a nice Onkyo integrated amp that is also very clean, too clean. <laughs> That's why I bought my Denon amp because I need, I wanted a little warmth. If it was going to be digital, I wanted a little warmth. But anyway, so I've got this nice big Onkyo A9555 and I'm using the Behringer Truth speakers. Now I haven't hooked them up yet because uh, I can't find the wires. Yet. I got to figure out where the wires go. That's another thing. <laughs> That's another thing. I've got a plan where the wires go. The wires have to cross from the wall into the center of the room and then sometimes have to go back to the center because my desk and all the things that I do are connected by wires. There's no electricity in the middle of the room. I've got to run extension cords. And then the speakers. Well, why do you have the desk in the middle of the room? That's, uh, in all due respect, Mr. Adams. That it's, it's where the apartment said it, it goes. Yeah. So I have my desk, my desk, I'm looking at a corner of the office. This way I've got access to plugs. So all the cables are in front of me behind the desk. You don't put a desk like that in the center of the room. It's like... Yeah, I do. I've always had it in the middle of the room. Um, okay. That just seems... I like, like to be able to access all the cables at any given time. And there's, I got runners under the edges of the table. So I want to be able to access them. But the thing about running the wires from the outside is I have those, what are they called? It's a strip of, of rubberish sort of plastic, and you run the wires in this plastic. It's like a runner, I guess I'd call it. And yeah. once I get a rug in here, I'll just cover it up or, a, well, I don't know if I'll put it under the rug or over the rug. But, I mean, if you consolidate all the cables that, that need to go in and out and you do it correctly, you won't really have a problem. Um I, I envisioned at one point, if I have to run wires, I'm just going to get the most brightly colored extension cords and just make it obvious and do it and overdo it. But I don't have to do that. Nah. What, what you need to do is just get a couple of power strips. So you only have basically two wires running, one to each power strip. Get a power strip, uh, you know, as big as you can get with good protection on it. Well, man, let me tell you something. You know those Belkin big foot side that have like 14? Yeah. Uh, plugs in them. I use three of those. Yeah. I have one down there that has six. I have another one that has eight, I think. So yeah, you get a few of those and that's all you need for the, the wire. But they have thick wires. So you need to put them under one of those like rubber runners, like you're talking about the kind that's beveled. Oh yeah, so, right. Exactly. That's exactly how I do it. Yeah. And I, and for those kinds of power uh, issues, I always get a thick that really thick electrical cable, electrical cords, lamps and things like that. Yeah. They can use the flimsy cord, but, um, you know, anything where I'm using a lot of power, I'd, it's probably a mental thing, but I don't know if it's good or not, but I know that there's yeah. nice thick cable in there. I think you need to just be one with the process that this is a process of change and that the change of your living space is reflecting the change that's occurred to you i like that that's true it's um yes that's how i, I think that's how i'm coping with it it's that this is an opportunity to you know clean some things up put some things away see what's essential who is the woman that said whatever gives you joy right 
Marie Kondo, the one who just said that she doesn't worry about cleaning up anymore because she has three kids. Right. Well, that's understandable, too. There'll be a point where I don't have to worry about cleaning up either. But at this point, I'm doing the, this gives me joy, this doesn't give me joy, this would give me more joy over here, this would give me, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, it's exhausting. I realized that for the past few weeks, I've been, all I've been doing is picking things up and putting them in another place. And that's all I've been doing. Oh, and ma- and uh, yeah. making hamburgers. Yeah. I haven't got all my kitchen gear yet, so I, all, right. all I've got is a grill pan. A grill pan? Yeah. Okay. This isn't very musical today, our topic, is it? Well, it's just, I mean, we all got to eat. Everybody should have a grill pan, by the way. Well, no, but we talked a lot about cables and speakers and electronics. and. But, you know, it's the sort of thing where um, it's a good thing you might want to try it sometime. It's like a complete, it's like a clean installation on a Mac, right? It's like, what if you just took everything out of your room and then brought it all back? I mean, it's it's that would be an arduous exercise, but I think it might be, for some people, it might be a fun thing to do for a week. I don't know. The Japanese do something called osoji. And what they do is at the end of December, they take everything out of their house, they put it outside, they clean the house entirely, and they bring everything back in. Now that's dandy living. Except that where you are, people would probably steal stuff if you took it outside. Oh, uh, not I think in Japan, No, okay. The the idea of removing and replacing everything can be cathartic in some ways because yeah. you you have to think, is this useful? Do I need this here? Now, I've got a big enough house where I've got two rooms where I can put the stuff I don't need here. You can hide it. I can hide it, yes, from view. But the, the idea that you have to rethink, you build up this accretion of things, of stuff that you buy. And as George Carlin said, then you buy a house to put all your stuff in, you get more stuff and you buy a bigger house. And every once in a while, if you can just look at all the stuff and say, what do I really need? Whether it's just to move it out of sight or to put it on eBay and sell it. Yeah. See, now you do that and, and you don't keep a lot of the gear that you, well, and again, you get gear to review, you get gear that's not essential, blah, 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 blah. So you do a lot of that. But I mean, surprising, I have like five amps, receivers, amps, because I just, well, one, I'm lazy. I can't go through the eBay process, but I always feel in the back of my mind, it's like those firewire cables. I might need that someday. The, now, the thing is that this is like a weight in your mental RAM, right? Each of those amplifiers. Hmm. You probably need two now. You don't need five. So if you got rid of three of them and you did need a new amp, it's not like you couldn't buy it. That's true. You couldn't buy a newer, better, cheaper amp. One of my problems is books. I have a lot of books that are out of print. So if I get rid of them, then I may not be able to get them again. But I'm starting to realize that it doesn't matter that much. I'm getting to the age where I'm never going to read all these things anyway. So, But in terms of electronic stuff, when I don't need it, I get rid of it. I do keep a spare microphone in case uh, this microphone is a problem and I need one for podcasting. I actually have two. I have a USB microphone as well. I don't keep spare amplifiers. I do have a extra pair of speakers that aren't expensive that weren't worth selling that sort of thing yeah but i don't i don't need to collect all the gear i i'd rather just you know if i need it again i'll buy it again yeah i suppose i'm not one of these people who clings to the gear i mean i i would just as soon junk it you know once it gets older i had a 
a receiver, an old techniques receiver. It dawned on me, I've had that for 25 years. That's no good to anybody. Doesn't even have HDMI. Doesn't have AV. Oh, doesn't have anything like that. Doesn't second, have optical. Maybe, doesn't have anything that's modern. But there are people who want vintage amplifiers. Oh, they don't want. Didn't that you one. say you had a store but, near you that sells vintage amplifiers? Yeah, and actually, I what's the one I have? I have this nice. Is it a Samsung or something like that? Some I have this classic '70s chrome amp with the chrome knobs and the chrome switches, and it just needs a little cleaning. And every you know, I've been saying to myself for the past ten years, I mean, this weekend is going to be the weekend that I get to open it up and clean it. But then I thought, you know, I'll bring it to the guy down in down in the square. And uh, he, uh, there's a guy down there that that does deal with older stuff. I think, I think he's still there. Post COVID, who knows? Who knows? We're not post COVID. No, COVID's not over. Sorry, it's over for me. <laughs> <laughs> for now, it's over. Okay. Should we do some next tracks? Be my guest. I have been watching a new series on Amazon. I, I believe I mentioned the novel a year or two ago called Daisy and the Six. It's about a rock band, a fictitious rock band in the 70s, loosely based on Christine McVie and Fleetwood Mac. And it was an interesting novel because the novel is built like a rock documentary where the oral history thing, like here's a chapter talking to this person and they talk and they, and so the TV series has just come out on Amazon Prime. It's going to be 10 episodes. Three have been released already. And it starts like that. Like, okay, here's so-and-so and here's his name, you know, so-and-so drummer for the six, right? And... <sighs> The the reviews that I read in The Guardian here were really scathing. It's like, even, and why do you have to say that the lead actress is Elvis Presley's granddaughter? Even Elvis Presley's gra granddaughter can't save this series. It's Priscilla Presley's daughter, Riley Keough, criticizing that it's like a mockumentary or whatever we say. I found it incredibly moving. I have a weakness for these, you know, movies and TV series about 70s rock bands, right? Almost Famous being one of my favorite films. I found it really moving. And I found Riley Keough to have a really interesting palette of facial expressions. A lot of what she's doing is expressions and not talking. So there's this moment where she comes into the studio to record this song with this other guy and they never met, they don't know each other and he's all frustrated. And her facial expressions in this whole thing that takes about 15 minutes are just wonderful. Just like her disdain, her contempt, her like surprise and all that. And I think it works really well. Maybe it's not going to be interesting enough through 10 episodes. Time will tell. But if you're old like us and you want to see something about a 70s rock band, even a fictitious one, Daisy and the Six on Amazon. What about you? I do not have my next track yet. Um, I used to have it and I just ordered it again. And I'm so happy. I am I'm going to be the recipient of a, of a set of recordings called a Strauss Waltz Gala. Now, if, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you may have heard me say that I really like Johann Strauss, the Waltz King. I really love those, you know, those Viennese waltzes. And back in the 80s, when I belonged to the Musical Heritage Club, I got a recording, this three-disc box set of a Strauss Waltz Gala, and it was a, a collection of the, the best recordings. At, well, I say that only because I've heard some bad Strauss recordings, but these were... I guess we're thought of as the best recordings of popular favorites, you know, Vienna Blut and Emperor Waltz and Blue Danube and all that stuff, and performed by these great orchestras around the world and around the United States and around Europe. 
So I had this recording, and I used to listen to it all the time. But w- at one point or another, I got rid of all my records, and I guess I threw those out. I don't know why I did that. And every so often, I go around looking for it. Now, it's not available to stream. I- I'm sure you could find the individual recordings, but I had lost the list of, of what particular performers were doing which particular waltz. So I was kind of up the creek, you know what I'm saying? So, But every so often I check Amazon or I check Discogs to see if somebody has one. And lo and behold, this week was my lucky week. Someone at Discogs had one, and I immediately snacked it up from him. And I'm hoping it's in the mail right now. And as soon as it gets here, I am going to have my own Strauss Waltz Gala. So I'm very excited. If you like Strauss, like I know I do, just listen to the good stuff. Don't listen to don't listen to the undynamic, flat-sounding, the musicians phoned it in stuff. Try to find the best recordings ever because they are just wonderful to listen to uh very evocative and dynamic and and just full of great riffs as it were but anyway that's my next track a strauss waltz gala this was episode number 251 of the next track thanks for listening you can start or join a conversation in the comments section of this episode show page at our website You'll also find links to some of the things we talked about in the show notes for this episode. Just visit thenexttrack.com. You can follow us on Twitter at NextTrackCast. And don't forget to support The Next Track by making regular donations via Patreon. We are ad-free and self-sustaining, so listener support is what keeps us going. We thank you very much for visiting patreon.com slash thenexttrack. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks again. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>